Life Audio. Biblical manhood and what that looks like. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. You see how I timed that right there? How we timed our water sip was pretty crazy right there. I don't think the camera got it, but like we both went for a last final sip right before it came on and then put it behind this Lost and Found Recovery in Christ poster right before. It's called We're Professionals. Yeah. We, we know Something what we're like doing that. here. We know what we're doing we're here. We're what, 91 deep? I think this is 89 technically because those last two were repost. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So welcome back. Hey, so if you're here, uh, you saw what we did last week. Uh, to be a man, Dax's video. We did a reaction video to Dax's video to be a man, and that was pretty fun, man. Wasn't that, that was cool. It was good. I had heard of him before, but I wasn't familiar with any of his songs. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I know who he was. Yeah, and we've already gotten a couple people comment um, on it and subscribe. And one guy suggested another Dax video we should do, so we might have to do that in the future. Um, if you have suggestions, let us know. Hey. Welcome back. We are excited. We have a few things, a little housekeeping stuff we want to talk about. We have, um, let's see, we got new merch. We got the new T-shirts, and they are awesome. Chitty's wearing got one, one right on. there. Uh, on the back, it says Death to Life, and it has like a the King of Hearts card on the bottom of his face down is Death, and on the top, he's alive. It's pretty awesome. We have it in black and gray and also white and blue, and we'll, we'll show the video on that right here real quick. All right, this is the newest S2L merch drop. All proceeds of this T-shirt are going to go to S2L Recovery Scholarship Fund. You can find these shirts at s2l.net. That's S, the numeral 2, L.net. Check them out. Pretty cool short video. So, hey, yeah, get one of those T-shirts, man. That thing goes to a good cause. It goes to our scholarship fund, and we are on track to give more scholarship this year than we ever have. Uh, and so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. What else we got coming up? Uh, we got alumni weekend, August 31st through September 3rd. Hey-oh. That's going to kick off, um, at our fundraising benefit concert with Ben Fuller, Travis Ryan, and one, one common, one common. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. Golf tournament, Friday, fellowship, barbecue, testimonies, um, Saturday over at the cabin. And then Sunday, you can go to your favorite church in middle Tennessee. Um, and then we'll have some lunch afterwards, uh, with whoever desires to do that. So yeah, if you want to sign up, there's yeah. a link. We're gonna post it in the. Uh, we'll probably probably do this if if you're an alumni and you want to come, you want more info, uh, email or reach out to Chitty. If you don't know his contact information, here's his social security number. It is six four two seven three eight eight nine six. I hope that's not real. <laughs> okay, that's not real. Uh, but uh, email if you don't have his contact, email info at spring. To life.net and that's the numeral two info at spring to life.net uh we'll get you set up man we got a bunch signed up man and we said yeah. the first 20 that signed up they're gonna have free uh, lodging we're gonna get a big uh vrbo uh, mansion 22 bed mansion uh, probably, pool probably. dolphin exhibit in the back well, the whole nine comer's doing a big for you guys probably, so probably more like a big trailer <laughs> with some bumps in it <laughs> no we're gonna we're gonna rent a place for the first 20 that sign up we're probably close to that if not more than that, but not all of them need um, lodging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you sign up, it gets you uh, alumni get into the concert for free. Now, he did mention the concert. Please go. The link is in the description below. 
if you can't come, uh, go ahead and sign up, man. Donate. Do something like that because on that night we're going to have some really cool auction stuff that people are going to want, sports memorabilia, signed stuff. But also uh, one of the cool auction items that we had donated was a week in Breckenridge, a ski resort that's got a house of, I think it sleeps, I don't know, however many, but it was donated and people can auction on that. So go ahead, go to the website, sign up. Check out all the stories. A lot of the staff have created their personal story. And, um, yeah, and use promo code FREEDOM for $5 off. So, Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So today, what do we want to talk about? We're going to kind of play off the last reaction video we yeah. did and discuss biblical manhood and what that looks like. Yeah. Biblical manhood and what that looks like. Um, okay. Let me start off with a little story. Is that all right? Go ahead. And I got a few different scriptures. Um, and then obviously I, I, I'm a man. I'm a man. So I can tell you about <laughs> manhood. Um, and we're not doing this in contradiction to the video or anything, but it just raised questions um, what is it like to be a man was a lyric. Um, I, I hope I can tell you, but we want to tell you, we want to describe to you the best of our abilities, what it's like to be a godly man, to be a biblical man. What is biblical manhood? And the best way I could describe it, I don't know if I'd say best, but a really cool moment that happened this morning on Tuesdays, I get up early and go pray with a group of men at a park and, there were three generations of men. There was a son who was probably six, seven, eight. Um, there was a, a, a man, uh, his dad, that was m- my age, you know, 40. I'm actually 25, but he, well. he, he, looked, he looked about 40. Um, and then his father was there, you know. So however, that, however old that gentleman was for, to have a 40-year-old son and then his son. So three generations. Um, and the f- grandfather... His wife, so the grandmother, has terminal cancer Mm. and has been battling it for a few months, and uh, he's just been a caregiver to her. And so that alone inside of biblical manhood, he's caring for his wife and uh, being by her side, everything she needs, just a caregiver. 
And so we had him stand up, and we just circled around Hood, another picture of biblical manhood. And we came together in agreement and just started praying over this man just for restored strength, for peace, for understanding. We prayed for healing for his wife, for his mom, for his grandmother. And while (laughs) I'm going to get a little emotional probably. When we were done praying, the man of God, the grandfather, began to pray. And it was just a sweet prayer, but he began to pray for us that were praying for him. And while he was praying, he was also praying for his wife. The grandson, six, seven, eight, high-pitched voice, just started singing, um, move in power. While he's praying, mm. we will wait for you, Lord, move in power. While he's praying, and I mean everyone, all the men, it's just a move of God in that moment. And we just started weeping, and the grandfather just started just joyful tears, just like, can they hear my grandson? We will wait for you, Lord. And it was just like, that's biblical manhood, to Mm. come together in agreement, to pray for your city, to pray for your family, to pray for each other. That's biblical manhood, to be vulnerable inside of that. Uh, and to allow someone else to pray for you and to trust that there is power in prayer, that was a cool picture. And I guess I'll bring it up not because it's the best picture, but it, because it happened this morning. You know, we're we're recording this at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. in the morning. This happened two, three hours ago. Yeah. And it was like I just was sitting back and looking. I was like, yeah, man, that's manhood. That's what biblical manhood is, is that they stand in the gap. They intercede for each other. They pray for each other. I don't know. It was a cool moment. And I mean, of course, you know, in that moment when the kids started singing and the prayer and the tears, of course, like the wind picked up and it was like this breeze came through. We were under a gazebo. It was like, all right. All right, Lord. It was cool. It was cool. Knowing that I was going to come do this podcast about biblical manhood, too. It was just this beautiful painting, this beautiful picture, this beautiful moment that God gave me to see what manhood's about, you know, with a group of 12 men. Mm. I'll tell a quick story because it goes with that. We were praying in class one time. There was about 17 of us. And, man, when I say praying in the spirit, I mean praying in the spirit. But we start going around the room, and Ron P. did the same thing. Man, he just started singing an old gospel song. But it was from the depths of this man's soul. And you could just feel it in your bones, the presence and power of God being manifested in that room. Because when you cry out to to God, man, whenever you utter from the deepest parts of your spirit and your soul uh, cries out to God, man, that is felt. And that is felt undeniably amongst the people in that room. But it was a super powerful moment as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and like two weeks ago at the same – there's something about that. Mm-hmm. There's a, a gentleman, one of the men, I want to say he is originally from Zimbabwe. And in just the midst of prayer, he broke out into a hymn. Yeah. Uh, there's, something, just like, there's something so beautiful like, about that. I don't know, man. You're like, you're so emboldened. You're so connected. You just like, you're ready to like take on the world. Yeah. Just like, yes. And just like tears. We talked about crying last episode and how it's okay. And I think one of us even mentioned, I cry more now as a believer But it was just joy, like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this moment that you've given us that we can experience your presence, Mm. that we can experience, like, who you are in your image bearers, likeness, worshiping you. It was was a sweet moment. And if you've never experienced that, um, that's not because I'm a better Christian than you or, or Chitty's a better Christian than you and he's some level higher in his prayer you know, God put him up here on level seven, you're down here to level two, and you've got to get yourself up there. 
we're not saying that, but it is. If you don't, if you're not experiencing that, then why don't you create that atmosphere for some men in your community? You know, why don't you call two buddies and just say, Hey, maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you're all evening. Why don't we meet at five thirty PM every Tuesday for a month? Let's just come together in prayer and just watch what happens, man. Watch what happens when you gather, right? And, and I don't know the two or three gather in my name and I'm in the midst. That's more of a church discipline verse, but there's still something to it when you're gathering in his name. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Mm. It's pretty cool. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Yeah, so there were so many ways we could go with this. I mean, we could do so many episodes on biblical manhood and what that is um, and how how that is daily practiced. Uh, But for me, man, the first thing I wanted to touch on um, would be leading, loving, and protecting in love, and specifically sacrificial love. Sacrificial is one of the things. Sacrificial love. And uh, I got a couple verses, and I'll discuss those. But Ephesians 5, 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then Ephesians 5:25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So leading, loving and protecting our wives and our families sacrificially. Yeah. It is no longer about me. Yeah. And you know, coming this podcast is called Life After Addiction, coming from a life of addiction where it was all about me. Yeah. Every waking moment of every single day was how can I please myself? How can I do the things that I want to do day in, day out, every single day of the week? And man, sacrificial love is the complete opposite of that. The two greatest commandments, Paul tells us, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that goes for biblical manhood. Um, We've got to love sacrificially. It is about my wife. The Bible tells me that my family is my first ministry. It is about protecting them. It is is about leading them. It is about loving them. Um, and And that's how... We live out a biblical life. That's how we uh, live out a biblical manhood is by sacrificial love. So let me stop there. Perfect example. You're in the process of finding a wife. So you don't have a wife. So what is sacrificial love for the singles right now? How can you practice sacrificial love today? Because you're a man and you're a biblical man and you do this. So what does that look like for a listener who's, Maybe wife left them, maybe younger, hadn't found the one or, you know, the single. Uh, what does sacrificial love look like to them um, if it's not towards a wife? Yeah, um, I would say servanthood in general, yeah. just being a servant. Um, I would say honoring others. I would say putting others' needs before your own. Yeah, the vision I get is Jesus washing his disciples. Exactly, and that, it's, it's crazy you said that because that's the next verse I was going to read is John 13, 13 through 15, and it says, You call me teacher and Lord, and this is Jesus himself, and you are right, for so I am. 
If I then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also also do just as I have done to you. And it's that sort of sacrificial love. I mean, that's what the lowliest of the lowly would do yeah, is wash others feet during that time. And it's something the creator of the ends of the earth was doing to his disciples. Yeah. And so Jesus doesn't call us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. And therefore, what we deem as less than God's like, nah. Jesus is like, no, I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. And this is what I've called you to do as well. And so, yeah, just servanthood in general, man, yeah. is what sacrificial love looks like for me is servanthood. I agree. I'm a servant to the ones that I love. And it's no longer about, man, what I get from this. It's simply that I love you in such a way as Christ loved the church that, man, I am a servant to you. Yeah. Let me bring it like to practical because I, I would venture to... What, <laughs> The advice that we're not giving is the advice that we're not giving is we're not saying per se, go to your friends when everybody's gaming up or whatever. And just be like, all right, guys, shoes off and you get down. And we're not saying necessarily do that. It's the principle behind that. And, and here's the practical. I would venture to say that 95% of you listening have probably never washed someone else's feet. Uh, and we do a practice here. And I remember, as a student going through it, um, that on Easter week, every week, uh, not every, every Easter week, we do something with the students and we don't tell them. And, but when it comes time, we wash feet. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, doing it as a student and being wrecked. It's so awkward. It's so awkward. Like hearing it and everybody's like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. And they give the option. Hey, um, all right, who wants to be a foot washer? Everyone raise their hand. No one wants their foot washed. And who wants to be a uh, who wants their feet washed? And it's like people, and then all of a sudden the the person leading the group should be like, all right, I'm flipping that. If you raised your hand that you wanted to be a washer, you're now being washed. And then I mean, I remember the moment of doing that as a student, washing another student's feet or staff's feet, and how that wrecked me. And then I also remember as the CEO doing it, washing the newest intern's feet at a staff meeting or something like that and how that wrecked me and having my feet washed and how uncomfortable that was and the feeling like just try to imagine like another grown man. So the posture of Jesus doing that, and it was way worse then because they didn't have cars. They walked everywhere, mm -hmm. and they had open-toed sandals, man. Their feet were nasty. Yeah. You got some nasty feet, but their feet were nasty. You know what I mean? And, I mean, to be in there, it's just this lowly position, and I felt that, and it was a spiritual moment. I, remember, I mean, I won't even get into it because we're already 15 minutes in. But the, the, the practical, the, the posture there is that you are sacrificing your pride, your dignity maybe your whatever it is that you think of yourself you're sacrificing that to put yourself in the lowest possible position to wash another man's foot uh so we're not saying go and do that you hear the wind wind yes, chimes? I do. Boy, is that the spirit moving or something here we go <laughs> the winds are moving baby but i mean to put yourself in the position to that's what we mean practical practically think like that how can I be sacrificing in love? Well, put yourself in a position of Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Mm -hmm. And if you've never done it, I hope the story that I told you, you could feel the awkwardness, the uncomfortableness, you know, and you could get yourself to that position. Don't be afraid to go there with sacrificing, man. God's called us as men to be sacrificial. But what's crazy, and I mean, I know you have, I haven't even gotten to my first scripture. What's crazy is, is if I want to look at a biblical manhood, 
Well, I mean, Jesus came to earth as a gender. You know, there's only two genders. He came to earth as a man. And so, I mean, go read the Gospels, you know, go read the life of Christ as he walked the earth and you see this sacrificial love on one hand, but you also see this boldness, this protector, this mighty man that would drive out the temple scoffers and the people. You saw a man who would march into a city knowing that the people were praising him and in a few short days they would be yelling, crucify me, because he Mm -hmm. foresaw that. You see all these aspects of what a biblical man is, and it's this spectrum. It's from meekness to mighty warrior. And it all has to do with, and the, the, the sum of it all is, a biblical man is spirit-filled and led. That's what mm. I can conclude. A biblical man is spirit-filled and led. So if he's leading you to a place of sacrifice and humility, you walk into that. If he's leading you to a place that you stand on principle and say, you know what? And I think of Acts 3 and 4. You know, Acts 3, they... Uh, Peter and John tell the man, they say, hey, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, stand. Mm. Of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand. And the God, God heals them through them, and he's dancing. That's bold. And then you see the same boldness. They get arrested because of that. And these guys that arrest them are just these brilliant dudes. And Peter and John were fishermen, uneducated. So they bring them in, and they're thinking, you know what? We're going to own these cats intellectually. We know the, we've, we're studied, learned men. And they bring them in, and they hear Peter and John talk, and they're just like, y'all need to go away. Their minds were blown, it said, because they thought they were unschooled men, uneducated men. And they discussed amongst themselves, and they bring them back in, and they go, hey, you guys, you keep talking about Jesus. We're going to kill you. And they just killed Jesus, by the way. So they knew he meant business. And they said this. Think of this boldness. So you have this meekness. You have this... But look at this boldness. And say, you do what you see right. But as for us, we can't help but to speak about the things that we've seen and heard. Do your thing. Hmm. That's the kind, That's a biblical man, that you stand on principle. You're an agent of truth no matter the cost. Your job, your life, your freedom. That's a biblical man, man. And I think, <coughs> and I'm going to be done. I'm going on rabbit trails here. I'm fired up. I think... When biblical men lose their power, they're not spirit-filled and led, and they forgot what God has done. You do what you have to, but as for me, I can't help but to speak about the things that I've seen and heard. They forgot what they've seen and heard. For you and I, man, it's harder for us to forget because our sin and everything and our lifestyles were so public, and God radically changed us, and so it's kind of on the edge. But, man... If you've never battled an addiction or if whatever, man, you've prayed foxhole prayers and you forgot. You forgot about the miracle in the living room. You forgot about the miracle in your job. Just, God, save me. Just, God, please let this meeting go well. God, do this. God, these finances, I can't pay this bill. God, did this marriage, I can't do this. And you forgot those miracles two weeks ago. Don't forget, man. Mm. Those were miracles, modern-day miracles that you were pleading with God for. And yet two weeks has passed and you forgot. Hmm. I forgot, man, let's maintain, let's remind ourselves of the things of God, not only that, but what he's done in our life. So we can stand bold on that day and say, I can't help but to speak about the things I've seen and heard. You're too late, Jack. Two weeks ago, 
my marriage was done and I prayed and God just restored it in a matter of two weeks. I didn't forget that. Six months ago, I was about to be fired because I had a flat tire and I was about to be late again. And I prayed to God for the person to have mercy on me. And they had mercy on me. And I shouldn't have had mercy. I don't forget about that. That was God. That wasn't coincidence. That wasn't because the guy had a good coffee that morning. That was God. Hmm. So, yeah. Biblical manhood. Come on. You fired up this morning. That prayer group in the morning, man, is really. Well, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I got good sleep. I'm over the sickness, you know, and I'm, yeah. Last yeah. week when we recorded, I had strep, and I didn't know it. So, <laughs> thankfully, um, y'all didn't get it. But you may be the one gave it to me, Jordan. Mm. But go ahead what you got. So, yeah, I- um, another one I got is for biblical manhood, man, submission to Christ is Lord. Like, if, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, man, there's no way you can live out a godly life as a man. Yeah. Biblical manhood, it falls under submission to Christ as Lord. Um, and a verse that I love, man, when Jesus knew the time was coming for him uh, to lay his life down, he went to the Mount of Olives to pray. This was right before Judas betrayed him. And his prayer to the Father, this is Luke twenty two forty two, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's good. And that is powerful, man. There are sacrifices that we have to make to follow the Lord. Um, now, is it as significant as the one that Christ made? Certainly not, but they feel significant to us. But man, submission to Christ as Lord is essential to leading, to loving, um, to honoring God. First uh, Peter five, six through seven, humble yourselves, mm. therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You've got to submit to the ways of the Lord. You've got to honor God with the way that you live, with the way that you love, with the way that you steward things that he has given you. Um, And man, it's submission to his word. How this word calls me to live is how I live my life. I don't live my life by a worldly standard. His word says it, so be it. And I got to fall in submission to that. And it's important also for my personal relationship with Christ to always develop, to always be growing, to always be nurtured. You know, Um, I never get to a point where I put the things outside of my personal relationship with God above that, because that's where everything else feeds from. That's where everything else is guided. That's where everything else is led and stems off of is where my personal relationship with Christ is. So I always got to be making sure that I am intentional in putting him first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I can't lead a godly life. I can't lead my family in a godly manner. If I am not filling myself with his word, with worship, with fellowship, with prayer, with action, with serving, I cannot lead in that manner. I don't naturally do that. So unless I'm intentional in my personal relationship with Christ and submitting to the ways of the Lord, not just, you know, monthly, not weekly, but daily, I'm not going to be able to live out biblical manhood. Yeah. And the hardest day I heard this recently, the hardest day to open your Bible is when you didn't do it the day before. Mm. So if that's you today, just dive back in. Dive back in. If you miss five days, if you missed a day, dive back in. If you miss a day, don't don't allow condemnation to come in and dive back in. Be in the word. And everything he said, it was just, yeah, it's just on point. And I, I was going to go and read almost a full chapter of Proverbs, but I'm going to just encourage you, uh, mighty man of valor, you want some very strong wisdom from like a father's perspective to the son, sometimes literal 
from Solomon, but sometimes from the Father in heaven um, is, is kind of the imagery there. Go read specifically chapters 3 and 4, but really go read the whole book. But mm. Proverbs chapter 3 and 4, I really encourage you. And the, and the scripture I have, and I think this kind of opened up some stuff, is uh, the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11. It says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's good, like you were, you briefly mentioned, I, I think it's good to check ourselves at times, and that has to do with sacrificial love, but also with humility, like you said. And at times, really look at what you're doing. Um, are you being childish? Are you thinking like a child? Are you acting like a child? Are you speaking like a child? Well, a biblical man puts childish ways away. Um, yeah, I, I think you can name that for yourself, but check yourself, have people in your life. We talked about it last, we talk about it all the time when it comes to four pillars and fellowship having, but just last week, Chitty mentioned, um, the fellowship of a brother and having someone that could watch your back. I can't see what's over my shoulder, but he can allowing that person in your life to speak to you like, Hey man, I think you're kind of reasoning or thinking kind of childish there. They probably wouldn't say that, but they might say your thinking there is off. And if you could slow yourself down, kill your pride enough to stop and think, be like, yeah, man, that was childish. I'm a man. I'm putting away childish things. I think that's very good advice for a godly man. And then the last scripture for me is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. It says this, be watchful. (laughs) Here's your direction. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Mm. Be watchful. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men and be strong. And so you have this meekness. You have this sacrificial. You have this humility. But you also have this strength. Spirit-filled, spirit-led strength of what a man is. Stand firm in your faith. Be watchful. You're the man. Don't let silly stuff. Eve should have never been tempted with that apple because Adam should have busted that dude in the head as the man. God commanded you, Adam, don't touch this tree. When he's messing with your your woman, you need to go and be watchful of that. Don't be submissive. Oh, no, she's saying it's good. I just got to let her truth is her truth. No, you're the man. That God said no to. Uh, Lead your home in that aspect. Love your kids in that aspect. Teach your kids. Um, (laughs) And I don't do this great, man. I don't do this perfect. I try to, and... Uh, I hope the legacy that I leave, my kids would say at my funeral that I was a good dad and I pointed them to God. Um, that takes discipline, man. I, I don't like disciplining, disciplining my kids. I don't like seeing them be upset with me, right? But a godly man will discipline their kids. Otherwise, their kids will grow up and be undisciplined. Mm-hmm. Just like the Lord says that he disciplines those he loves. Mm-hmm. Um, so also disciplinarian, but also, man, I want my son to think that I'm the coolest dad. I want to be like him. Yeah. So I can't just be disciplinarian. I have to be someone that my son's like, I want to be like him. So I have to like, you know, do things with him, show him fun things, show him how to enjoy life. That's not this all the time or whatever they're doing. I don't know what this is, piano in the air, but switches and video games and all of this stuff. I want to be able to have conversations and stuff. So I don't know, man. Being a biblical man is spirit-filled, 
spirit led. Yeah. And <clears throat> the greatest way to put down childish ways is by spiritual maturity. If you're growing in your relationship with Christ, man, um, you are automatically growing in maturity as well. And that's yeah. spiritually. And when you grow in, mat- in, in spiritual maturity, man, you're growing in life in general and becoming the man God has called you to be. So that's why that personal relationship with Christ is essential. Yeah. Because in order to put down those childish ways, you need to be growing in your faith. Um, The last one I'll talk about is walking in humility. Um, I feel like this is something we can struggle with as men. You know, pride can creep up on us very quickly, and then it becomes about my own strength, my own power, my own work ethic, my own devotion, my own whatever it is. And to walk in humility, that's a daily practice. Um, And it takes prayer to do that as well. Luke 14, 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exhausted. Or exalted, excuse me. Philippians 2, exalted. Maybe maybe both. (laughs) Maybe both, brother. And then Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. But walking in humility, understanding, man, um, that I have to submit to the ways of God, the authority of Scripture each and every single day. And in order to lead and love and protect the way God has called me to, um, I mean, I've got to walk in humility. There's so many times in life where I don't say this audibly, but I'm walking as if, man, I got it figured out. Man, I got this. You know, I can start praying less. I can. I don't really need to go to church this week. I can start reading less. I can start fellowshipping less. And man, you you see the train go off the crack the track fairly quickly whenever you start to do that. But our pride, you know, can get in our way so often, man. And I have to humble myself continuously so that He may exalt me. Yeah. I mean, last thing on my mind too is as just kind of got hit me with this, and I got to word it right so I don't look like an idiot. 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 The giftings and the talents that God's given me, um, I feel are really well used in leadership. Things like this. I'm not afraid to talk in front of groups, and Mm -hmm. I feel I I can lead men. And a lot of times that gets attention. And I'm used to that. At some point in my life, I definitely strive for that. I'm past that. I'm being honest. I'm not trying to brag. But man, one of the some of the strongest Christian men I know, and it's just so foreign to me, and it's so pure to me, is that when you go backstage at church after the sermon, there's the guys back there that you never see that are busting their tails, that are getting everything, fixing everything, working the audio, working this, making sure the lights are working, you know, maintenance, all this stuff. And no one ever sees them serve. Mm. And they're some of the strongest men, biblically strong men, in a different way. Maybe not, maybe the world doesn't see that. Like, because what they see, they, they might see me as that, right? Or you as that, because we're vocal and we're out front and people will see that. But man, when I see them, they're just so steady, Eddie, man. Nothing phases them. And I've walked and did life with them, and they're just. God made them different, but to see them serve and give their giftings and their talents in a way that's never recognized, that's so pure to me. Mm. And it's it's just so foreign to me. Yeah. But it's so pure. It's like, I mean, I, I'll do that too. I, don't, I definitely do stuff that no one ever knows, no one ever will. Except for right now, I'm going to tell you everything. <laughs> no, but 
to see that, man, that's like pure. Mm-hmm. And they're strong, man. I've seen them go through seasons, and they walk through guys. And you don't even know that they're walking with guys, but they are, and heavy stuff. And you get called in, it's like, oh, y'all know each- Oh, cool, I didn't know y'all knew each other. Yeah, yeah, we've been praying together. It's just a cool... Biblical manhood has such a, a, a range of different types of dudes, and whatever giftings and talents that God's given you, use them to bring Him glory, man. Yeah. I think of Rick Brown whenever you say that, man. Yeah, dude. Like, he is just a mighty warrior for Jesus, but it's in his own way. Yeah. It's very subtle. Yeah. It's very, like, under the radar, but this dude is in the fire day in, day out, just a servant of servants. Yeah. Like, it blows my mind, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's <clears throat> all I got, man. That's all I got. Like I said, we could have touched on several other things as well for the sake of uh, our podcast time. Yeah. That's what we're going to leave you with, but yeah. Yeah. From doing life, serving Adam, serving Ryan trying to be what the world says a man is and failing at that to being righteous and walking and striving to be biblical men. That's life after addiction. You better believe it. Come on. Thank you for listening to this episode of life after addiction. Life after addiction is a production of S2L studio for more Christ centered addiction recovery resources. Please visit S2L.net. That's S, the number two, L dot net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit S2Lrecovery.org. That's S, the number two, L, recovery.org. We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts and their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.